0: song that says, I touch the sky when my knees hit the ground. That's your take home. If you don't get anything out of what I say in these next few minutes, that's your take home. That your ability to connect with heaven, your ability to connect with God happens when your knees hit the ground. And we're going to talk a little bit about prayer in a few minutes, but I have to back up and say where we were last week. Last week, we opened the pages of a story of a church That was a mess. It was a disaster. They were doing so many things wrong. Their worship was chaotic. They were suing each other. They were creating factions among them. They were jockeying for position. When it came to communion, the ones who got there early were eating all the food, and the ones who got there late were hungry, and the ones who got there early said, too bad, get here faster next time. It was just a disaster. And the Apostle Paul wrote them a letter, it was the Corinthian church, and the first letter he wrote them is called 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, and he wrote them a letter saying, you have to straighten this stuff out, you're a mess, you have a lot of good things going for you, but you're not loving each other. And then by the time he wrote the second letter to them, 2 Corinthians, they had started to get their act together, they were doing a better job of loving God and loving others. And so that's what we say we want to do. We're we're opening that book. We started last week. We opened up the first chapter of 2 Corinthians because in those pages we are going to learn how the Corinthian church got better at loving God and loving each other so that we can get better at loving God and loving each other. And what we found when we opened the first chapter was Paul gave an example of how to love God and how to love others when we're suffering. That we can love God when we're suffering by keeping a good attitude about it, by coming to him, by entering into the suffering of Christ. And if you want to hear more about that, you can go to the website and catch up on it Last week, uh, from last week. And the way we love each other is we bring comfort to each other when we're suffering. That's a concrete way to love God and love others. But if we continue on, if we read a little further in chapter 1, we're going to find another way to love God and love others. And this is not one we tend, a lot of us tend to do. And that's not always my first response, but it should be. It should be our first response in how we love God and love others. So I want to read a little bit further in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. Let me open up mine. You can open up yours. 1 Corinthians. Sorry. 2 Corinthians. It's here. No. Um, I have an iPad. It's hard to turn the pages on that. Oh, here it is. There we go. So if you want to follow along and you want a Bible, put your hand up, we'll bring you one. I'm going to put the scriptures up behind me so you can look at them. Last week, I encourage you to bring your Bible with you because the advantage to having a Bible in your hands over just looking at what's up on the screen is you get the context. You can read what comes before. You can read what comes after. And I've always said, I don't mind if you just read the Bible while I'm talking. I'd be very happy about that. So open up your Bible so you can see the context. You can see where in the book you're open to. Are you in the beginning, the middle, the end? Where am I? It gives you some context when you have your own. If you don't own a Bible and you want one, you can have the one that was just brought to you. You can keep it. We'll replace it with another one. I uh, want you to have that Bible in your hand. So here's what it says in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. I'm starting at verse 7. I'm going to read 7 to 11. Now what came before that we talked about last week. Paul said that we should comfort each other with the comfort we ourselves have received in Christ, that when we suffer, we comfort each other. And then he goes on to say, and our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Paul's using the royal we there, by the way, he's pretty much talking about himself, that he's gone through such struggles, and then he goes, indeed, we have, uh, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. There it is, by the way. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. What Paul is saying there is, I've gone through such struggles. I've gone through such hardship. This was so difficult that I lived with the sentence of death in my heart. Have you ever felt that heavy? Have you ever gone through such a struggle that it almost feels like there's a physical weight inside your chest cavity? Something happens and you feel like you're bearing a weight. It actually feels like a physical weight. Paul said it was so heavy on me. I went through such hard times. It was so difficult that I carried around in my heart the sentence of death. But I trust that God will deliver me. And how will God deliver me, Paul says? By your prayers. So there it is. One of the ways we can love God and love others is by praying for each other. And that's what I said is the thing that I don't always do first. I'm going to be completely honest. When I see someone in need, or I see something that needs to be done, or something's um, not quite right or bothering me, my first response isn't always prayer, but it should be. My first response is, what am I going to do to fix that? How am I going to make that situation better? How do I respond to it? And that's not a bad thing. It just shouldn't be the first thing. The first thing should be going to God in prayer. And when we do that, we're loving God because we're acknowledging that He's the one that delivers. That's where it starts. That's how we love God. We come to Him first and say, God, there's a problem here. There's an issue. I have a concern. I have a struggle. I'm suffering. Something's not right with me or my friend or this situation. And when I go to God first and I bring it to Him first, I'm making a statement. I'm putting a stake in the ground that says God's the one in control. And the first place I go when I need to go anywhere is to Him. And by so doing, I am proclaiming my love for him. God takes that as love. Because sometimes we say it's so easy to figure out how to love other people. I can do this or do that or meet this need or make this meal or give someone this ride or do this thing, and I'm loving others. It's easier to measure. But we ask ourselves, how do I love God? I can't see him. I can't touch him. I can't get my arms around him. How do I actually show God love? One of the ways is prayer. Is by going to God first and saying, God, you are the maker of heaven and earth. God, you are the one in control. You're the one I run to. You're my refuge. You're my fortress. You're my strength. You're the one who delivers me. And if I suffer, you're the one I'm going to come to for comfort. And if I suffer, I'm going to accept it and I'm going to keep a good attitude because, Jesus, that's what you did and I want to be like you. When we say things like that in prayer, we're loving God. And I believe God receives that as love. And then when we go on and we pray for each other, That's how we love each other. If I know you're in a struggle and I pray for you, like these people did for Paul, Paul said the reason I was delivered was because you prayed for me. They were loving Paul by praying for him. When we go to God and we pray for other people, that's how we love them. So why did Paul need prayer so much? Paul went through a lot of struggles. Here's just an example. And he might not have been specifically referring to this list, but this list always boggles my mind. And so I have to share it with you. It comes a little bit further in the book of 2 Corinthians in the 11th chapter. And it's Paul just giving a quick bulleted outline of some of the struggles he's had. He's, um, he's starting out in uh, 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He's, um, what he's, the context there is that some of the Corinthian people were saying other, other leaders were uh, doing more than Paul and had more... Um, credibility than Paul and he's trying to say I'm an apostle too and that's the context he's starting in so he says are they servants of Christ I'm out of my mind to talk like this I am more Paul is saying my credentials are I am a servant of Christ I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again In Paul's desire to bring the gospel to lands that had never heard it, to people who had never heard about Jesus, he pressed on and he continued to try to bring the gospel, and he suffered while he did it. Look at the things he suffered. I'm going to keep reading. I'd been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. In case you're having trouble with the math, that's 39. Five times. Someone multiply that out for me, because I can do the minus one, but not the five times. Wait, five times 40 is 200 it's 395 lashes, right? Did I do that right? That's a lot of lashes. Uh, 40 times, minus minus one, five times each. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and the day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers, pretty much in danger everywhere he goes. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul is saying, these are my so- my struggles. These are my sufferings. And you read in other places where Paul says, I am glad to suffer for the name of Christ. I sh- I'm sure he didn't enjoy the lashings. I'm sure it wasn't fun being in the open sea overnight. I'm sure it wasn't fun being hungry and beaten and stoned. He's not saying these experiences were enjoyable. He's saying, I entered into the sufferings of Christ and I did it willingly so that by all means I might save some so that I could bring the gospel to some people. That's what we talked about last week. Entering into the suffering of Christ and doing it with the right attitude is how you love God. But then Paul said, I trust God and he'll deliver me by your prayers. And he was saying to the Corinthian people, one of the ways you can love me, they were very far apart. They couldn't embrace. They couldn't shake hands. They couldn't greet each other with a kiss. They couldn't offer words of Um, encouragement and emotional support in each other's presence, what he said is one of the ways you can love me is by praying for me. And by your prayers, God will move and I'll be delivered. That's amazing to me. I said earlier that my first response isn't always to pray. My first response is often to do. I heard this story many, many years ago when I was a new believer in my late teens. I heard a story Um, of a family where, I'm sorry, just uh, lost my place here, where a house caught on fire. And this story just so impressed me, it always stuck with me. And uh, so it's in the middle of the night, and the house catches on fire, and the family runs out into the lawn, and they all meet out on the front lawn. But as they're meeting, the mom and the dad realize they're missing a child. And as it begins to dawn on them that their daughter's still in the house that's on fire, the mom drops to her knees and starts crying out to God to save their daughter. And the dad runs into the burning house to look for her. He finds her, he grabs her, he drags her out, and she's saved. So the question that was asked that has stuck with me all of these years when I heard that story was, which one of those people saved the girl? Was it the mom who dropped to her knees and cried out immediately for God to deliver her? Or the dad, whose first response was to run in and grab her? It's kind of a trick question. It's taken me 20 years, but I think I've figured it out. I think both. I think it was both. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, the prayer, immediately spoken by the mom, went directly to God's ears, and he moved on that behalf. And the dad ran in under the protection of God's hand, was able to find the girl and bring her out. If either of those elements were missing, maybe she wouldn't have come out. But it took both. And So one of the ways we love God and love others, is we naturally do things. We have ministries set up to help each other. We call each other up. We bring meals. We provide rides. We're there for each other. We're really good at showing each other love in this room and outside this room. But what I want us to do today is actually practice The prayer part is actually spend a little bit of time praying for each other.